What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in. Asian bitches done under a podcast about sharing information and perspectives from the Asian diasporas in society and culture. We encourage you to subscribe to our show via Apple, Google, or Spotify. If you have enjoyed our episodes, please support us by giving us a five-star rating and get your friends on board to listen to us. Finally, we would love you to support this podcast by donating to our Buy Me a Coffee program. Your wonderful support and donations will help us to continue creating the platform for diversity and inclusivity. Make sure you check out the episode show notes for any collaborations we're working with to promote. Thanks again, and we hope you will enjoy today's episode. Hey, everybody! <laughs> It's Jessie. Hi,、uh, this is Helen. You always have to start with a, like a. Small sing-song introduction. Yeah, and we are Asian bitches down under. Now I this morning went to a bar class、okay. in a new studio because I moved to a new suburb with my partner and and like they were playing Coldplay songs. Oh yeah, and, like I yeah. just ugh. You hate them. I mean,、them? besides the fact that Coldplay is just, I mean, I don't hate Coldplay. It's just like I don't want to listen to emotional music, music about like. Dying or like lost love or fucking shit like that while I'm trying to just like why is that、out? in a bar class? I, I assume it would be yeah, like a more, be more spiritual or just instrumental kind of music. Oh yeah, I, I like、um, when I go to a bar class. I like really like、um, mind numbing kind of like hip hop or some shit. Okay,、like、not、right. hip hop, just like really badass R&B, bad bad remixes of the top forty, which I'm like <laughs> I just don't even listen to. Yeah. yeah.、Um, But Coldplay just made me like it、Emotional. brought up a lot of emotions because、yeah. like when I was in high school and hating myself,、um, you listened to like, Coldplay. I listened to Coldplay, yeah, <laughs> and like all of that came up, and I was just like, "Thanks for making me depressed on a Friday morning when I just want to feel good." Yeah, <laughs>、uh, how was your?、Strange. Yeah,、Ugh, yeah. Anyway, how was your Friday morning?、Uh, you know, the moment that you've unknowingly consumed or been exposed to too much news, that you're probably. Think that it's not really appropriate for your kids, somehow influencing、okay. your subconsciousness. It's I think it's yeah, happening、right. to my child. My daughter woke up this morning and said, "Yeah,、uh, Ma, I had this great dream last night where I was a commander of an army and I was about to lead them to the war, fighting the like Joan of Arc, <laughs> like your little Joan of Arc. Oh、I、my gosh, was, that's so cute. She just listened to too much, you know, too many、uh, Ukraine." Uh, the、oh. the, the Russian invade into Ukraine. The news right, just keep、right. on popping up almost like twenty four seven. So she's listening. Oh, it's a yeah. How is she getting exposed to all this news? Is she? Oh, we listen to. We have the radio on、oh, most of the time、okay. when we're at home、oh、or、gosh. when we're driving. And、I could not do that. Her dad listens to the ABC News radio. Oh right, okay. Yeah. Okay. I think that I think it's healthy to know what's going on in the world. Yeah, but it's. I just personally sipping into her subconsciousness when、yeah. she's starting to have、yeah. a dream like that. That is so funny. Well, was it a nightmare? Did you ask her? No, it was scary,、um, she didn't say it was scary. She said, "Oh, I had a great dream. You know, I'm a commander <laughs> leading a, an army." <laughs> And I ask her, "What sort of enemies are you fighting?" She goes, "Oh,、yeah. a group of ogres was.、Uh, they are. <laughs> they're like what group of people were you fighting? Violent." <laughs> Yeah, and I ask also, what are the enemies? She says, "Oh, group of ogres who are going through 
burning the villages and killing people and things oh, like that. Oh wow! Like, okay, okay, well that's a bit graphic. <laughs> yeah, but also because she reads yeah. fantasy novels, yeah. you know, kids who reads like, fantasy? Kids do. God. You know? Oh my god! That's, that's berries and I am just like me and genre. Just like it's like oil and water. Me and genre. Yeah. So bad, I know. I mean, I do have dreams about um, writing a rom- romantic um, novel one day. Like, I want to be known maybe as a romance novelist. Okay. I'm pretty sure one day I'll make that. I'll make that change. Um, and I think I had that uh, sort of fantasy because this week um, I was part of a media screening of The Lost City. Oh yes, which How is did that go? upcoming, upcoming <laughs> epic comedy starring Sandra Bullock, Brad Pitt, and Channing Tatum. Um, it's so funny. It was hilarious. But um, Sandra Bullock plays a, a romance novelist who's uh-huh. kind of like at the end of her sort of career, but she's still super famous. And, yeah, it just kind of made me think, oh, you know, if you are writing romance novels and you know how romance novels are like slammed by the mainstream as trashy or like only for women and all that. Yeah. I'm like, if I get to like make someone like make some take someone out of their horrible realities Mm -hmm. and let's face it all of us in to one degree or another Mm. um sometimes just want to not be in our own lives i think it's so powerful it is very powerful powerful. i would love to make someone feel better just even for like a day a few hours Mm -hmm. you know yeah how much amazing power is that yeah absolutely i think that's why k-drama is so popular in taiwan in a lot of asian countries because Especially for the woman over like forty or they, yeah. they've got like a really long marriage life. They need to watch mm. K drama to make themselves <laughs> feel a little bit better because they can have somewhere. It's also like a to, um, to dream to escape from the reality. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly to escape from it's the amazing. reality it's... when you have a very a very boring relationship. You need to go yeah, and look at <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. Look Seriously. at a very good-looking person. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I love it. I feel like the older I get, the more I kind of value escapism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, it's so um, – I I can't think of a better way to use my one single life that I've been miraculously given to, like, take someone's life and, like, make them happy for an hour or so. That's why yeah. I freaking love movies, like, big blockbuster – Not they're not trashy, but kind of, like, you know, mindless – comedies like the lost city or like 21 jump street or like two weeks notice or anything like that like uh, i wouldn't put two two weeks notice in the same category but like big epic comedies they're so fantastic like they just like i after watching the lost city Mm. i just felt so like my whole body and my whole heart was just so joyous and i hadn't (laughs) felt so much happiness in a long time and it was like it was at a big imax screening cinema in in events on george street in sydney and um there were like hundreds of people at this screening i was just like this is why i look forward to continuing to live my life because Mm -hmm. of moments like this two hours of pure escapism Mm -hmm. and it brings you so much joy yeah and i assume that there's no uh, people of colour in the movie because it's a oh, actually, Hollywood blockbuster <laughs> well, or they've well, been um, assigned as a side character. <laughs> well, always, always a side character. Yeah, so her agent... Oh, that's um, right. agent uh-huh. is, a, is a black, black woman. woman. Yeah. yeah, and always kind of like sassy and like no no holds bar, very like... Very uh, very stereotyped kind yeah, of image. Yeah, I mean, I came I out and was telling Andrew how like I... I just get really annoyed and angry at how black women are still always depicted like that. Mm-hmm. They're so flattened and one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I hate it. it makes Except it with sad. Asian but, characters. Oh, yeah. 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 Zero Asian characters. Oh, no, no. There was one Asian character. He was a cop <laughs> in, in, in The Lost City. <laughs> but The Lost City does come out on April 14th um, in cinemas. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, guys, seriously, go check it out if you just want to feel, like, that pure happiness that I felt <laughs> at the end of this and Channing Tatum is absolute such a darling. He's so brilliant. Like he he's kind of the same in every single movie. It's funny that you're but, praising um, the white dude. Yeah, oh, he's so great. Yeah, he's just like so earnest. I feel like he's very earnest. Mm-hmm. I yeah. see. Um, yeah. Speaking of let's shoot it to you, Helen. Other cultural consumption. Cultural consumption. Uh-huh. Uh huh. This week I've started to read uh, the book that you gave me a while ago. Ho notes by Ed Ayers. I've always loved Ed Ayers' work, whether or not when he's presenting on ABC or his blog, his previous books, Dangerous Music. Uh, I think there's another one that he would he wrote about his travelling through the Europe. Afghanistan. Oh, yeah, yeah. He cycling. It was Bike, a cycling yeah. journal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Well, anyway, so Ho notes, reading this book, it's as if that Ed is reading his work in my brain because when I read, I have voices in my head. That I yeah, like kind his of voice is absolutely Yeah, his voice is incredible. absolutely incredible. It, it, yeah, exactly. And it's almost as, as smooth as a Bailey with full cream milk and he's writing as well. I think it's very sleek and the gentleness of his languages are simply sublime. I think yeah. it's a, a must-read for those who are teachers of music, well, teachers of anything, um, Basically, and I think it's an essential read for music students, uh, for parents with kids who are learning an instrument as well. Um, yeah, pretty much a, a great read for anyone who wants some sort of like meditation because I feel like while I'm reading this book, it's very therapeutical. It's, oh, yeah. yeah. He, he, Absolutely. he writes about the journey of learning the instrument as well. Um, he, he picked up a new instrument when he was writing yeah, the horn. Yeah, the horn. And also, in his 50s. Yeah. And he writes about how he it reflects all his changes of transitioning from a female body to male body, the decision yeah. of making and the decision of knowing you want to do it because yeah. maybe for someone, for some people, you know, I, I know that the transgender community, the voices are a lot more louder in the past year, few years. And for a person who's, you know, almost halfway through their life and yeah. always know that they are not in the body that they wanted and really decided yeah. to make the drastic change in their, you know, late 40s is yeah. something I think is very, very brave. And also oh, yeah. the determination that they know is just incredible, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. I um, got very emotional listening to you talk about it um, because it brought back a lot of memories when I read that book. Uh-huh. And, um, and I will try and not get teary when I mm. say this, but the reason why I love this book is because I feel as though Ed um, gives me hope that the world will be a better place um, yes. because of if, if, if men, if men change... And, and um, because Ed writes with a tenderness and men and patriarchy, um, you know, they, their whole stick is like, don't be tender. Don't mm-hmm. be tender as a man. And I think the most beautiful thing in the world is tenderness. And it's often just like segregated to a behavior or a feeling that women are allowed to mm. express and practice. Yeah. And I feel like um, Ed has always ex- exuded in his speeches, in his 
program in his like way of presenting on ABC Classic, um, in his mannerism, everything about him is tender. Mm-hmm. And I just think if the world was a more tender place in general, just everything would be better. I and I just, I yeah, like Helen, absolutely. I think that everyone should just read this book, not for its, not just because of its music centered kind of um, subject matter, but just. He teaches you how to be a better person. That's right. Don't you think? Yeah, yeah. It's just absolutely. yeah. At the end of the day, yeah. it's a, like and re- making music really at the end of the day, or making any art, is um, teaching us all how to be better humans. Yeah, it's very central to being you know the the aspects of uh, the humanity, and I got really obsessed about uh, before Ed transitioned. Mm. His previous name was Emma, Ed, yeah. and I start listening to their program when I had my first child in the morning because that's absolutely, um, it is, he, just the voice, just the voice yeah, that will just absolutely. ripple you so much that you feel like you're yeah. comfort and it's just yeah, so nice listening to a very nice voice explaining about music and talk about life experience. And I yeah. actually want to read um, just a paragraph here. Um, I read last night I thought was just brilliant even with a simple language you just feel like the things that he wants to convey to his readers Mm, okay mm. so this is from the chapter knowledge so it's divided into seven chapters the uh this chapter of knowledge at the very end uh, he wrote through music i have learned how to learn i have learned that curiosity examination attention honestly and process are the utensils of for our lives and with them, we can learn anything. I've learned that practice is my prayer. With practice, we obsess, we reflect, and we amalgamate. With practice, we can look inside and find our rhythm, our sound, and our pulse. And we can trust it in it to work always. So it's the hopefulness that he writes in the book that make that makes me like I feel like oh, it's not so bleak. You know, after all the yeah. shitty news that we see on on TV, yeah, 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 it's absolutely stunning. Um, from one book to another, um, ju- uh, just just to wrap up again, it, that book Helen and I recommend is Ed Ayers' Whole Notes, and it's out now. Um, I had the privilege of uh, reviewing this book for SMH a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Such an honor. Um, uh, I, this week I got into, I believe I might have talked about it in the previous weeks, but this week I really got into actually like reading it and almost completing it. Yes. Um, it's Delia Owens, like far, smash hit best-selling worldwide global phenomena where the crawdads sing. Okay. Owen, have I talked to you about no, this? No, you haven't. Yeah. Okay. Tell so, us about it. Um, my partner's um, sister-in-law handed me this book, I believe, at Christmas time. We were talking about different books, and um, she wanted to know what I thought about it mm-hmm. because, you know, um, it's always interesting to know how other people think about books. And um, she told me that her mum's that was her mum's favorite book. Okay. And so I wanted to have a read of it, and actually, I got down into starting reading the book because I saw on YouTube somewhere that uh, a, a movie of it was coming out okay. and um, it's starring Edgar Daisy Jones who I just think is the most beautiful woman in the world she's stunning and so um, I'm now because I'm like I said in the previous podcasts I'm obsessed with book to television or screen adaptations and so I'm reading this now with that in mind and um, I've talked to a few people about this um, a lot of people didn't 
like it um, because they think it's kind of just like um, a, a nature book disguised as a novel. Um, but I'm halfway through and it's pretty good. Like it's um, Delia Owens is a zoologist um, slash nature writer. So that's her background. But I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, and it's kind of taking me away from a lot of the kind of fraud, catfishing, <laughs> lying stories that are going all over the place, like Bad Vegan, We Crashed, Inventing Anna, The Dropout. Like, honestly, there's like a, a gazillion, and there's one coming out about, um, you know, I told you, the girl from Plainfield about um, Michelle Carter and how she had um, been charged with manslaughter for um, convincing her boyfriend to commit suicide. So, yeah, there's just so many stories in the last Very month dark. or so, uh-huh. like, based on real life, and dark yeah. and based on real life. So I really like just being able to, like, again, escape, escape them. Yeah. to a fantasy world. Um, so that is Craw- Where the Craw Dads Sing by Delia Owens. That is my uh, consumption for this Lovely. week. Uh, how about the... Let's say television, movies, or dramas. Have you watched anything this week? Um, no, I haven't. Have you? Yeah, so I got caught up just preparing for the Time Film Festival, so I can't talk too much about that just yet. So we're selecting films for the 2022 um, festival. So it's on an ongoing process. I was put on to review some of the documentaries and it's very tiring uh, just continuously watching documentaries but it's quite interesting so I, I'm not going to go into details on that however I'm going to talk about another show that um, we stumbled across on SBS demand for those who are overseas who doesn't know SBS it's like a multicultural uh, diversity TV, t- broadcasting channel for Australia. National. Yeah, yeah national. national. Yeah. yeah, and it's free. Yeah, it's yeah. free. And we stumbled across uh, the ice cream show. It's actually an American <laughs> production um, by Vice. Uh, my daughter is obsessed with a lot of food, cake, baking, sort of type of like the lifestyle kind of shows. So we stumbled across on this show and it's a show of, I think it's 10 or 12 episodes. They're very short. It's like 22 minutes each episode. So it's great when we're like having our dinner and <laughs> we watch the ice cream show. This, uh, the host goes through across US and he visits ice cream parlors, ice cream makers and ice cream manufacturers. OMG, <laughs> I freaking love this. Did they go to get Dairy Queen? Uh, I don't. I ha- we haven't came across with Dairy Queen yet, okay. but we yeah. have come across uh, an episode Best of New York. <laughs> so, oh my God, that is literally my like <laughs> my heaven. Yeah, they, they they visit the Chinatown ice cream, which we mentioned with um, our chat with Kate, and also there's a ice cream place called Big gay ice cream in new york as well and we just watch it and we're like oh why are we still in australia like my daughter continuously said that oh i want to go to usa now (laughs) just after watching the show just the sheer amount of the ice cream that the americans eat like australians are just cannot compare and a lot of i I kind of pick up this concept of how a lot of American ice cream brands that they started with small business and gradually did they move into some of them, not all of them, gradually move into a mass produced uh, process and where they can sell in pints. They call it pints, you know, we call it tubs here that they can sell in um, 
grocery stores or supermarkets. But where where's in Australia? You know, the ice cream shops that we know or familiar with, for example, like um, Messina. I know Messina Messina has moved on to selling some of their products in uh, in the supermarket. But I always have a feeling of if ice cream shop, the independent ice cream shop, the gelato shops, um, started selling in the supermarket, their quality is just not there. Do you have that feeling? Because I... Yeah, of course. I've got a lot of uh, gelato shops that I like, but my favorite two are the ones that... The ones that's close to uh, my place, which is Mr. Goatee, and the other ones up on the Newcastle Popolo, both of them don't have. They're very independent and like family owned, and mm. I think they're the best ones. And I do have a feeling yeah, that once they mass produce, well, that makes sense. It's only logical, right? Um, when they mass produce, the quality reduces. Yeah, you know, they can't. They I just don't feel like the there's a uniqueness. Is not there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um I think um uh, my favorite gelato place is ice cream place is probably Bolera uh, dairy, which is in Wallara. Oh, like the whitest okay. and richest most uh, <laughs> I can't say it without insulting them, but it's like it's a very rich suburb in mm-hmm. eastern Sydney. Eastern suburbs of Sydney. Um but yeah, they have probably the best ice cream in my opinion. What sort of flavours do you get? Oh the best flavour is chocolate. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Just chocolate, just milk chocolate, straight up milk chocolate. Okay. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, actually, almond and chai is also very good. They have an almond oh, and chai. Oh, nice. Flavor. I would like to try that. Yeah. Every time I go yeah. to an ice cream or a gelato store, I will look for the unusual flavors. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Definitely. I love um, Earl Grey. I love lavender. All those most unusual flavors. Nice. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a break, guys. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about the division of labor and what it means, the whole debate on mental load, which has uh, been inspired by a rather very interesting op-ed um, by one of the most prominent Asian Australians in Australia. When we come back, when we come back right, right, right away, <laughs> don't tune away. Don't turn your I just had to start again. Anyway, um, so the topics that we want to talk about today is actually instigated by coming across with a piece of article written by Michelle Law. The op-ed is titled, Why My Boyfriend and I Drew Up a Spreadsheet Before We Moving In Together. Um, it's pretty much talking about the her journey of moving into with her boyfriend and also she made her boyfriend listen to Yumi Stein's podcast uh, Ladies We Need to Talk highly recommend that podcast as well on the episode about mental load <clears throat> so the focus of the piece is that you know we when we talk about mental load a lot of people don't get it as in that the division is quite unequal amongst among I'm just talking about um, specifically heterosexual couples um, because woman does a lot more and it's just not a lot a lot of things happening in life that half of the population do not get unless that we explain to them because a lot of things that has done without their noticing at all. Yeah, yeah. So totally. What we want to do on this episode is that we want to open up the conversation 
and perhaps kind of share our experience of what we think about. And unpack what and really, unpack, of course, the consequences of it. Because you know, it's, it's such a like the emotional labor is something that's it's like a phrase that's been around for I think at least a decade now. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, it's been around for longer than that, but I feel like in the mainstream jargon, it's like pe- people are hearing it. At least, like men are more aware of what it actually is. Yeah, and I actually I don't I don't remember I don't remember where I read it, but it was a comic. Like it was a graphic novel. I don't remember. Yes, who it's was a by. French, uh, yeah, French by a graphic French novel. Graphic novelist. Yeah, I forget what it's called, but they really explain what emotional labor meant in that book. And um, if we can kind of link it into the show notes, honestly, mm. it's it it makes you after you read it as a woman, you're like, or oh, man. <laughs> no, just like, after you read it as a woman, you just like think, God, what have I been taking on that's expected of me without? like having been rewarded at all my whole life, you know, for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And um, like this week, this past week, um, I was just really going through the reality of like the burden of what it means to be a woman. I bleed a lot during my period and so like mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, fuck, it's so fucking shit to be a woman. Seriously, <laughs> there is no positive to being a woman. That was my like th- text to my friend and she's like wow you're having one of those days i was like yep. yeah exactly um i've looked up it's the french comic artist um uh, just with the first name uh emma uh-huh yeah just I what's the why. name of the graphic novel you should have asked you should have asked you have asked yeah it's good so it's a it's a um comics of you know sh- pictures with captions and showing it's very simple i wouldn't say it's a very elaborate comics but it's really portrays in the reality of what we go through every day and what we're seeing with our parents as well not only happening in at home environment i think it happens a lot with the work workplace environment as well specifically for women who have has to pick up a lot of uh, mental oh load yeah being yeah. being the secretary actually that's right and i yeah. have to say i've seen this like throughout the 10 years i've been a teacher throughout like the 13 schools I taught, every single school, the mm-hmm. um, the PA for the principal and the secretary and the front lady desks, they're always front, they're always Always ladies. woman, yeah. And like the, the social, um, the social club and birthday um, organizer was always a woman. Like, PNC. Yeah, PNC. Like every single workplace I have ever worked in my whole life, any kind of social birthday calendar or mm. organizing of social events was done by a woman yeah okay so we want to start off with like really define what is mental load slash emotional lever so i'll start uh, for me it's i segregated uh, before children and after children so bc and ac um so it's pretty much planning and organizing the daily lives and the future life as well so BC, before children for me, will be including like shopping, doing chores, you know, to decide what to eat, where to eat, when to eat, planning what we're going to do in the weekends, um, even planning holidays, uh, sending presents and cards to the families on special occasions. That's something that is that literally, I, think, I can't think of one single man, man who yeah. has ever done that under the face of, like, honestly. Yeah. I, I don't understand it, but go on. <laughs> and... When you don't have kids, you know, you organize your social outings and I feel like it's almost the woman who does the organizing to meet the friends, like where to meet them, um, 
when to meet them, etc. You know, it's always the woman who does the contacting、uh, between the friend circles. So after children, ah,、uh, the the、uh, sheer amount of the emotional load just goes up ten times fold. Um, so with kids, if you don't have, if you have kids, I'm saying specifically for kids at school age, you have to consider the running the school errands from conducting the homework to parent teacher interview. You have to be aware of what's happening at the school, the school events, when you have to sign that permission note, when you have to、um, put a reply if you want to put up your hand for the volunteer for school events, which I never do because just too much happening in my life. Birthday parties, you either going to the kids' friends' birthday party or you're planning for the one for your own kids. Seeing doctors, you take kids to see doctors. Chauffeuring your、uh, kids to extracurricular classes.、Um, you're getting resources for your kids for like music class or preparing performance, preparing for their tests or examinations. I'm sure there are parents out there who will tell me that there are a lot more, but that's just the ones that for. That I can think of it right now. Yeah. What about you? Can you come up with any other ones? Oh my god! Just hearing you say that list, I'm like,、um, are you basically like I'm? I'm it's a like, job. It's basically a full time job already. No, I'm. I was just like,、um, <laughs> not to like insult your husband, but like, does he even have kids? Does he have kids? Because it sounds like you're doing everything. I'm listing it now, but I I don't. I'm not saying that he doesn't do any of them. No, I'm just listing. Yeah, yeah, he's a wonderful. I'm listing person,、uh, out as a whole just... family household that parents would do, but potentially that doesn't divide very equally amongst you know mom and the dad. But in my household, we do divide. I can't say that we're divided in the way that it seems very equitable, but.、Um, Of course, I do a little bit more, but he does more in the sense of other things. For example, I think there are mental loads that people often miss. For example, you have to organize your insurance, you know, and you're dealing with car issues, paying bills, and contacting tradies for fixing things. That's annoying. Yeah. Yeah, those sort of things that,、um, you know, it goes between myself and my husband. So, and with the kids as I, well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, if, It, well, like I, it just sounds as though、um, the raising of children and the monitoring of a ch- child's life seems like it's overwhelmingly done by women. Still, I, I feel like, and、so、I don't、well. really understand、yeah. that because it's like, like a lot of men have this argument, like、um, in the first like year of a child's life, if your child is breastfeeding, physically, just physically、mm-hmm. speaking, the child needs to be close to. The mother's the mother.、mm. body.、Um, if the child is, if the mother wants her child to, you know, breastfeed,、um, mm. but like other than that,、um, you know how I'm pretty sure if you're like well read, you would know that、um, you would understand and have the knowledge that、um, mothers are not better parents. It's、mm. just that we've been taught to be better parents. Because, yeah, it's、exactly. a socially constructed idea yeah, yeah. that so, like, women man, are better parents. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's all bullshit. So like, it still surprises me that like that it feels as though the majority of women are still the ones who actually、um, are aware of things that happen in a kid's life at school.、Mm-hmm. You know, like knows the kids,、um, kids teachers' names, knows the kids friends' names. Knows、mm-hmm. like if a kid needs to go have like a PNC meeting with some doctor,、uh, with some teacher, or it feels as though the mother is still the one that is 
overwhelmingly the one who is like interest uh, interested maybe or like forced to be interested yeah i think it's more like forced to be interested yeah i think the things that i've listed out it doesn't mean that i do all of them it divides uh, like i said it's not very divided into a very equal amounts but i think my husband does more since especially for the last two years with covid because he's working from home so he can pick up a lot of things um instead of having those time wasted on commuting because for his commuting load it's a huge time oh, as well, yeah, which i'll come in explain a little bit later i did a um, instagram poll uh, uh, about a little while two weeks ago or a week ago i can't remember right now and asking our followers who do they think do more mental load in uh heterosexual couples you know is it the man oh, yeah. or the woman yeah and 96 percent of our followers said that it's the woman and four percent said it's the men um <laughs> i want to meet these four percent men <laughs> um i think that when you're in the heterosexual relationship or even if you're not in a relationship at the moment sometimes you observe from your parents you kind of learn from their just the way of doing daily lives you know sometimes we learn from our parents and totally. uh, the other questions that i ask which um i'm a bit disappointed that not we didn't get any response was that i ask what about in the same sex couples if you're in the same sex couples who does it more because mm. i'm always curious of how they divide their load emotional labor without the preconceived gender subconsciousness you know but we didn't get any reply i'm guessing that people either don't want to be known that they're in a same-sex couple or you know most of our followers are still very heteronormative fucking straight yeah we're so fucking straight yeah that's right yeah on speaking of the same-sex couple uh from my own observation i sense that there's still very much likely that one person in a relationship seems to do most of the mental load like this is my own my own observation you know i can't speak for all the same-sex couples and there are very few couples that seem to divide the load equally yeah i do feel like there's still one person in the relationship predominantly knows what to do knows what to plan how to organize yeah and the other one just sets goes along with it (laughs) yeah goes along with it yeah yeah well, when we come back, we're going to take a quick break. So stay tuned. When we return, we will address how um, we're kind of going to open the conversations of all this mental load and emotional labor. We'll be right back. Okay, so we're back. Speaking of that 1% of the followers that considers that men does more mental oh, I thought it was 4% oh 4% did I say 1% oh 4% yeah. sorry 4% I was like wow if we went down to 1 <laughs> I mean 4% sorry my mind is still like floating around anyway 4% of the followers say that um, they, they consider men does a more mental load I feel like it's it's a bit um, I don't know what to say I think it's it's true I'm not denying that some men have uh, taken up more mental load because we, both of us experience in our family life, we have experienced and seen men who does that. 
who are very considerate, who are who knows when to prepare <sighs> and plan and organize, which is wonderful. Oh, and we just want to see more of those men yeah, in the world. I, yeah, I um, I feel very lucky to have those. Like we mentioned off the podcast, Helen and I were talking two men in our own family who who exhibit those traits. Mm. Like what a dream, honestly. Yeah. Nobody's yeah. perfect, but yeah, we know yeah. some people who are close to perfect. But yeah, it's always uh, conflictual for me because I feel like, oh, should we praise them because they're yeah, essentially, exactly. essentially doing exactly. what all the what rest all of the ninety ninety six percent of women are doing? I know, I know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but yeah. we just want to give them a little shout out. But it's amazing that we have this sort of man in the world, and we just need more of them. Anyway, so. What we were talking about of mental load really depends on how your household, specifically we want to talk about household today because um, we just go into such a big um, topic if we include the workplace. But within household, uh, within the couple, what works well for both of the people and Sometimes we have to consider that, you know, if one person has a regular job or the other person doesn't have a regular job, how uh, the emotional loads are divided, you know. And I do feel like it's a privilege when some people have a shorter commute um, yeah. or even no commute at all. Like for the yeah. last two years, I feel so privileged when I have my, my husband at home because he can yeah. just yeah. take up, unload a lot of my burdens and I can kind of breathe a little bit and... It's just the, because the commute for him, it's almost two hours from our place to yeah, one way. So essentially, it's almost four hours for him. So I can't, like some people, sometimes I, some people would criticize me of raising the debate about mental load and they would say, oh, look at you, you take up with so much mental load as well. You know, why don't you criticize it on your own male partner and like, but because of the situation of individual families are very different, so it's hard to decide whether or not uh, the mental load is equal, you know, between two people. So for yeah, us, yeah. the last two years has been like, a, I mean, it's pandemic, you know, everyone's sad about it. But for us, it's, especially for me, I think it's changed a lot around how we function as a family. Yeah, yeah. And, can mental load ever be divided equally in a couple? I think not really. And it's very hard. Why is that? Yeah, why because everyone's be? Yeah, because everyone's perception of individual tasks is are valued differently. Yeah, you're you know, right. it you're takes right. a long time or perhaps oh. a short time if you match some matched it very well with your partner. You know, you, you need yeah. time to kind of like what's the word in English? I'm just gonna say yeah. in Chinese. Say, yeah, say it. More her. It takes time to like work out in yeah, between sand, each other. Sandpaper against yeah, each sandpaper against Yeah, sandpapery. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a good metaphor. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love it. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And someone's kind of rubbing her two hands <laughs> yeah. together. Because it takes together. time, you know, oh, yeah, to work yeah, out definitely. how one will compromise or you don't feel like you should compromise, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And it comes down to how each task are valued. Yes, exactly. And exactly. we as an individual perceive certain tasks value differently you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you might want your sparkling clean white shirts on you know presented every day for your work or yeah, not like ironed whereas someone yeah, else or might ironed, 
you might not whereas I don't that. really care yeah, yeah. you know yeah, some people don't care about wearing crinkly clothes yeah that's right and how clean you want a specific environment to be, to be. yeah because yeah. yeah. we grew up with our parents and I know our mum's standard is super high so yeah which I really like actually yeah I, I like it I actually well. noticed um, you know how Helen I feel like I've heard this coming from you and also our other sister mm. we're like mm-hmm. oh my god I'm turning into our mum mm. I actually said that the other day um, because I was like kind of like I was taking a wet wipe and like and like wiping, take, wiping it with my feet around the tile, oh, yeah. and I was like, "Oh my god, this is so mum." This is what mum does. Yeah, anytime. Like I know, you just have to see if there's a spot that you need to clean. I know, up. but I love it. I want to be my mum. Yeah, it's so funny that how when we're younger, we keep saying that. Oh, I don't want to end up like we don't want to turn into our mum. Yeah. <laughs> but then as the time goes, yeah, we end up like our mum. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and you know, one person in the relationship could be the more picky one. Oh, exactly. Say, standards like are higher. Say, yeah, the standards are higher, and the other one will be more relaxed. You know, like yeah, you know, the home home environment should be comfortable. You shouldn't be too fussy about it. So I think it really depends how you grow up. You know, seeing from the parents, that's a very important aspect. How you will become in later in your adult life, I guess. You know, some people. Um, from my observation, seeing a lot of interracial couples, even with just one little aspect, for example, wearing shoes indoor or not wearing shoes indoor could become a huge argument. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, you know, we grew up not wearing shoes inside. And yeah. we know that basically it's just your home environment should be clean and your shoes are yeah. not exactly clean because you walked out. Yeah, exactly. Everywhere. Yeah. But then mm. some people's home, when they're growing up, they just wear shoes indoor. And they don't really care. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like shoes indoors. Yeah. I, I'm only shoes indoor where I'm going to like Airbnb. <laughs> but I still take my shoes off in the bedrooms. Like I don't feel comfortable. Yeah. I still remember there. the first time I went over to like a friend's place when I was in primary school and she was, these are white people, white friends. Uh-huh. And yeah. we could, we could like, we didn't have to take our shoes off at the door. And I was like, Oh my God, this feels so fucking wrong. But like, I was like, Ooh, I'm doing something naughty. This is so cool. <laughs> like it, it was like equally you? enticing and equally like, Oh my God, I'm doing something wrong. I uh, like eight. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and like sometimes when mum and dad were overseas and I would like, put my shoes on but then I forgot something and I would just like naughtily like creep up to my back into the house with shoes on I felt like, yeah I felt like my mum could see it like I felt always like my mum or dad could like sense from like 3,000 miles away that I had my shoes indoors because it just feels so wrong it feels it so would. like I'm doing something naughty like yeah. like the equivalent of um it's just something that just ingrained into our mind yeah, yeah driving on the footpath or something like that it just seems wrong <laughs> yeah i tell my kids off when they put their shoes on already at the front door mm. and they forgot their school hats and like they tiptoe back into the lounge and pick up and i'm like can you just take your shoes off and I'm like oh, i'm running late <laughs> yeah um so the different values of individual tasks this kind of similar concept i think it goes down kind of expand to all the other aspects of life for example you know the values different values of how to spend holidays 
how to spend your weekend kind of creeps up onto your mental load and emotional labor as well because some people will want to plan a lot of things you know you take upon that mental load onto yourself whereas perhaps your partner want to just have a chill relax holiday just sit there and do nothing like for me i would yeah, want to yeah. go to some place and i would do a lot yeah, yeah i would yeah. take a lot of pictures yeah and whereas my husband he's kind of i think he gradually has changed throughout the years but at the very beginning he would just want to go somewhere and sit there and do nothing <laughs> that's his concept of holiday <laughs> Wow. And even with visiting his family's interstate yeah. as well. Yeah. Like yeah. when we go over and then um, I will say, oh, I will look up. I'll Google so many places. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. oh, yeah, I'll schedule. I think this comes from our dad as well because our dad, yeah. he owned a travel agent and I've worked with him for a, a number of years. And I always feel like when you go somewhere, you need to maximize. Yeah, your <laughs> time know, there. Your time there. You go, need to go there, go here or go to the best uh, winery restaurant or somewhere yeah. to you know have a nice meal but my, my husband is just like oh, I don't really care you know yeah, let's just go yeah. there and chill <laughs> yeah I like that I actually really like that but I, I have to say I'm probably more like you because I come mm. from the same family as you and I yeah. was raised under the same father <laughs> um, but yeah it's like my father is like the hardest my parents I think our parents are the hardest working people I've ever known and they they both come from incredibly industrious, laborious parents. Mm. Like my father's parents were like crazy entrepreneurial, like business owners. And like, I mean, they had so many businesses, didn't they? And, yeah. and they were quite well off in Taiwan. And then my, my mum's family were farmers. Like even in their leisure, even on the side of their leisure, they had to play hard. There, yeah. there was no such thing as mm-hmm. kind of like going to some place and chilling out. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, that's yeah. what that's what happens when you see a lot of Asian tourists, tours in um, US or European countries, even on Australia, that you don't see. Um, I think this is the differences between the Asian tourist and tourist and the white tourist is that um, I'm not saying that there is no common commonality but i feel like a lot of asian tours they will com- compact a lot of uh schedules and events or activities yeah, like, like hour after hour there's something like bang 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 yeah like efficiency and, is such an asian thing efficacy yeah, is such an asian right. thing right yeah and like you never see asian tourists lying on the beach as well <laughs> just like doing very nothing. few very yeah it's like it's yeah. almost like the, the concept of leisure doesn't doesn't exist a lot for Asian people. Yeah, because you see, if you if you look up um, tourists from depart from Taiwan, it will be like ten days, nine countries in Europe. I'm like, how can the fuck you go through? Like, my God, I love that. I mean, yeah, even though they're close to, together, but yeah. they can compact so many activities within the tour. And even when they're coming to Australia, like this is when I was working with Dad, mm. um, they can go from a sightseeing tour the day tour half day in cbd and half day in blue mountain wow that's insane i can't yeah i can't imagine that because their idea of tour you know tourism is like oh i go there take take a picture yeah 10 minutes use the bathroom and yeah and then yeah get get back to the coach box ticked yeah i've seen the three sisters like five seconds later okay i'm off what's the next thing 
Yeah, so I guess that's the difference. Is uh, yeah, we're kind of like jumping off. The, I know. I was thinking, but I was, just, I was like talking to this guy. I was like, "Huh? What are we talking about again?" Emotional labor. Okay, so coming back to emotional labor, it's really up to individuals. And of course, that we want to be more progressive, and hopefully, that the discrepancy between two genders is not that much in the future. Men, um, you know, straight white men or straight men should understand more of what the things that woman has gone through in the you know past decades and centuries. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's almost in my default now. Yeah, know? of course, of course. Yeah, um, um, I, I want to extend. Okay, okay, go extend. Okay, extend. I want to extend the discussion. Is that if finance allows, my preferences is that living separately in the separate space and only see each other when they date, even well, though you you're want in a, marriage. a relationship like Sartre and Simone de Beauvoir. Yeah, it's like That's a very unconventional like. marriage. Like for example, I know that Helena Bohan Carter lived separately from Tim Burton. Oh yeah, they do relationship. Have some yeah, the system. Is, they live each, each in, uh, they live next to each other. I think it's uh-huh. like a townhouse or something uh-huh. like that. Uh-huh. Of course, you have to be super privileged. So they oh, have yeah. their own space. Um, they're being responsible for themselves, but also for each other when mm. the time needs. Um, I want to mention that uh, a couple in Asia that it has been kind of not criticized, but mentioned that they're slightly progressive is the Japanese celebrity couple that did a similar lifestyle as a marriage um, after they worked together in the rom-com. Uh, what's their name? I've got it here. Yui Arigaki and Jin Hoshino. Um, they recently got married last year, but they don't live together. Mm, okay. um, of course, they say that if you can afford it, why not? Because they yeah. feel like, yeah, on the paper, we're husband and wife, but we live we don't live in the same household. Yeah, we yeah. live in the we live in a separate apartment in the same complex. Oh, that's nice. So I like they that. look they can look after themselves and then mm. you know they see each other or have sleepovers when they want yeah. to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then again, it's not economically affordable. For yeah, for most people. people. For most, most people. people. Yeah, yeah, for most people, of course. Yeah, yeah, so what were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say, like, um, you know, the the conclusion we've drawn is, you know, we hope that in the future, you know, me, uh, sort of emotional labour and mental load is not something that's automatically assumed by women, right? Mm, um, I, yeah. I always keep thinking back to, I feel as though parenthood and that space and having children and, like, the space of schools, especially, you see that um, when I see what I see when I go to schools, um, mm-hmm. it is mostly women who rock up at, like, you know, parent-teacher interviews. Interview, there are yeah. mothers who, mostly mothers who pick up the kids, it's mostly mothers waiting at the at the um, school gates, things like that, and mostly mothers who, I guess, are around, like, childcare spaces as well, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like as long as those cha- spaces don't change, as long, long as those spaces don't feel inclusive for men and this sounds like i'm blaming those spaces i'm not i'm just saying like i I feel as though for men it's like um like and everything i'm saying is said by annabelle crab in her book the wife drought yes fantastic book that 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 the that men need to normal like the the space of having the presence of men needs to be normalized in 
young children's lives, like in spaces, yes. education spaces. Mm-hmm. She, in her book, interviewed a lot of fathers who said that they were scared to go to school or do the drop-off or, like, go to parent interview evenings because or, like, any kind of parent congregation because they would be always the only father. Mm. And it was, like, in, like embarrassing for them or, like... Um, at work um if they said that they needed to go and pick the kids up for whatever reason they would feel bad by their employers often Mm -hmm. or they would be made to feel ashamed by their colleagues Mm -hmm. like i I just think as long as those things remain the same i don't think things are going to change yeah, the change needs to be more systematic rather than just one, the individual people themselves. Because, you know, we're still debating about people don't, like the father's not really taking paternal leaves or father's being essentially just having kids. It's, it's almost as if that there's no much change about shifting the culture of seeing that it should be an equal load rather than predominantly taken up by the mothers yeah and um for me i feel like there is change very 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 slowly like i see a lot of playgrounds that the fathers are doing it but one thing that i haven't seen change a lot is do the planning and the organizing of fucking kids birthday parties <laughs> <laughs> it's just it really rarely. Yeah, I oh, know totally. I've seen a lot totally. more dads Absolutely. that's doing pick up and drop offs. I've seen a lot more dads at the playgrounds. Um, I can make this observation because two of my my two children have such a huge age gap, so I can compare yeah. it, you know with my first child and the second child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but I think that's the reason that I never, never really want to do birthday parties that I haven't really hold any birthday parties for my kids yeah and while we still attend other kids birthday parties I'm still seeing that the mother doing oh, predominantly absolutely. the planning <laughs> yeah. yeah we are the social unit hopefully it will change yeah oh gosh yeah so to end this episode, I would like to give a huge shout out to our listener, Jasmine, who left a comment on our Apple podcast review. Uh, Jasmine said that first gonna, I'm uh, sorry, first gonna say I love this show. Please don't listen to those comments just for yourself. Please don't change your style because everything is great at the moment. I usually don't comment, just really don't understand why some people give one star. Did little pinks do that? Uh, so she's referring to the CCP pink little pink uh, trolls that perhaps have given out a one star review, but uh, we don't really care our review, you know, the stars yeah. that much. I mean, we do want you know if you have enjoyed our show, give us five stars, of course. But trolls, they're gonna be there. Yeah. There's nothing that you can do about it. You know, totally. there's always going to be opposition of what we want, the, the values that we stand for. Um, in saying that about CCP, I want to recommend two. Um, one is a comedy that's on uh, YouTube it's called Tough Boba Uncensored. Uh, it is produced by Tiny's Podcasters, Kylie and Ken. Uh, they make satirical comedy sketches about making fun of CCP. I thought that was really funny. They kind of open much 
more conversations that you don't really see in Western medias. You know, a lot of news underlying languages that CCP use that you don't really know or understand because perhaps you know. The government, especially Western government, hasn't interacted with China or see、uh, the Communist Party that long, whereas you know Taiwan has always been threatened by CCP for decades. So, from their own observations, these podcasters have created this comedy sketch that I found was really ingenious. Yeah, go and check them out.、Uh, Tough Boba Uncensored Comedy and another one, Revolution of Our Times is a. Hong Kong documentary. Apparently, it's going to be on. It will be screening in April worldwide. But I don't know if we can still get tickets in Sydney. So I'm hope hoping that it will be screened on major. I don't know streaming channels.、Um, it's a documentary about the Umbrella Movement in the past two years when. The protesters of Hong Kong that is standing up for their rights, and it seems it, I cried when I'm watching the trailer because you just cannot imagine. I traveled to Hong Kong a couple of times while I was. Wait, sorry,、time. I'm gonna say that、um, again.、Um, I didn't、yeah. know you were in Hong Kong ever. <laughs> I was for work. Okay. Yeah. 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 No, that was that was a, huge, a long time ago. Oh, more than ten years ago. Yeah, but、um, I'm just. So shocked to see the footages of the protesters and the police that is just attacking civilians. It's not the Hong Kong that I remember, you know.、Oh, yeah. The peaceful, bustling streets with people drinking, eating. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just really shocking. And I cried when I was watching the trailer. So. I don't know if we're still gonna have if there are going to be more tickets for Revolution of Our Times in Sydney, but hopefully there will. If there are, amazing,、um, amazing. Go、yeah. and look it up. Go and see the documentary、yeah. and see the brutal, yeah, yeah. Great authoritarian kind of power would do to the civilians. Okay, so that's the end of our episode. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google, and Apple. Remember to give us a five star rating, and we welcome listeners to send us your feedbacks or any topics you would like us to explore. See our updates on our socials and make sure you share them with your friends to help us to extend the visibility of Asian bitches down under and continue the intersectionality in the podcast industry. So that's it from us this week. Stay safe, everyone, and we'll talk to you next time. Peace out.